welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And here he is, here. ladies and gentlemen, Gary Springer. Gary. <laughs> It's hard to remember that name. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I think the first time you said that was probably in 2005 when we started doing the radio. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It has been yeah. a been a wild ride, hasn't it? And, and and you're still with us. What's wrong with you? I don't know. <laughs> My therapist and I discuss it. He's yeah. family. <laughs> Megan is family. She hey, is. Jerry. Yes. Uh, oh, hey. By the way. Uh, We've got James Weston coming on with some music in a little bit. And Megan will Great. introduce him. And Great. we love James. James was on our show last about three years ago. Uh, spends, well, before COVID, a lot of summers in England. He's very popular over there. Singer, songwriter. He's wonderful. So uh, he's from Noblesville, Indiana, by way of. Spent some time living in Ludlow, Kentucky. Rescued a dog down in Mexico. Maybe we in all. Sounds like a great story. And Jerry will have his uh, thought of the week. We always look forward to those. And I know that uh, Jerry, like me and Megan, we talked about this. Uh, we're all huge sports fans. And, you know, we may pick different teams. And Megan, you're a big UK basketball fan, for example. Yep. And I like UK, too, because I live in Kentucky. I'm a Xavier basketball fan. Jerry's a big Yankees fan. And Jerry, you you are, and and you also like I know football and college basketball. Yeah, but we talk about that all the time. Mainly Yankees, yeah. It's interesting about you relative to sports. I've always admired this and asked a lot of questions, learned a lot from you. I played a little not whole baseball as a kid, and but that was it. And then uh, life went on, and I really got hooked into basketball. Played a year in high school and all that, and be a huge fan. But you have loved the game of baseball, and it's gone through some changes over the years, and it's competing now with some other yeah. sports like soccer, And but it's not going anywhere in our lifetime. I think you would agree. But you have this grandson, uh, Rick, who yeah. I have been asking about him for years because I know that he is he's a hell of an athlete. It doesn't matter what sport he's playing. But yep. gosh, this kid has locked in on baseball. Yeah. He plays, he can play other sports, whether it's soccer and has and basketball, yeah. but he's locked in on baseball. So he is what? How old is Rick? He's he's 12. He's 12 uh, years and, old. And he's five foot five. I mean, he's a That's tall, tall, really tall kid. Yeah, he'll be in the mid sixes, six four, yeah, six yeah, five. Yeah. That's what the doctor thinks. Yeah, he's, he's very, very athletic, but he loves baseball. And I obviously love it, too. But even though you may not believe it, I didn't push that. I just, okay. you know, I, I, I did want him active in a sport because I just think that's a good educational tool growing up, learning how to get along with people, discipline, et cetera. Um, but, yeah, he, he and now he's on a travel team up in the Chicago area and uh, they're going to Cooperstown. Oh, uh, man. Oh, yeah, that's this, so cool. yeah, yeah, this summer for a week, he's going to be in a tournament up there. They play in Cooperstown. And how exciting is yes. that? 
And uh, so I'm going so I can finally say I made it to the Hall of Fame. But he <laughs> is, but he's, yeah. So that's going to really be exciting. Oh, so that we're looking is forward going to, that. to be yeah. something that you yeah. are going to love. And you know, uh, we've talked about this before. If you, uh, if a, if a kid, and I, I'm the, I'm the one even more than you. I'm saying, oh, that, that kid will play college baseball. He'll play college baseball. So I really, what the hell do I know? But I know that he's, I, I know a couple things. I know his size. I know, and I've seen video of him. I know he can play. He can play. And on top of that, the third ingredient is he's getting really good coaching because you have paid attention. And, and one of the people that's been kind of a, a family, almost a family member, but an assistant in the family is a guy yeah, named like an Gabe. uncle to him. Yeah, Gabe. Like yeah. an uncle to him. And Gabe played college baseball and got a tryout with the Reds and played minor league he, he, for him. Yeah, he was signed by the Reds as a catcher. And, uh, you know, three months in, he uh, threw out his shoulder. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so so well, there's a, so sad, that's yeah. that's kind of a of a, a yeah. an uncle to this kid uh, to oh, yeah. Jerry's grandson. Yeah. So he's got yeah. a lot of advantages here, and and you know you're about to I and I've seen this through some of my kids and grandkids with select soccer and in case of my grandson with select basketball, and all of a sudden you're playing against the best of the best, and if you ever want to play or even just play now and you have yeah. the stomach for it, go out and play the best of the best. And I don't know, see what happens, but you're oh, going to sure. be, you were saying before the show, he'll be competing against some teams from warm weather States where in baseball, they play year round teams from Florida. You told me something Texas. very interesting, or, you know, off camera or off the microphone before we started that there are some families that keep, know that they want their kid to be in, let's say, basketball or baseball, that they keep their kids a year back in school because they do these teams according to the grade they're in, not according to their age. So if you've got a kid and you hold him back in school a year, like start him a year later, then he's going to be competing against kids that a year or two younger than him. And it's legal because but it seems terribly unfair. I remember there was in the Little League World Series, wasn't there this incredible star who, you know, people swore was like in the Little League World Series was already 15 or 16 years old like a few years yeah. ago. So, you know, people do this and uh, that's not fair. But anyway, the experience is great. You know, no one's looking for him to, you know, play major league ball. I mean, you know, whatever lightning may strike. It's just the idea that you're involved in a sport. You know, if he wanted to be a musician, if he wanted to be a dancer, whatever it was, get involved in something and then really be committed to it. Learn, you know, to be the best you can be, take lessons, discipline, the whole bit. It's it's such a great educational tool. I wish I had had that. And it's true, I think, what you just said, that it isn't necessarily about sports. It's about being part of a team or a group. Yep. Megan, you participated in theater. Be the, and you may have played sports, too, as a, a young woman. We never yep. talked about that. But I know, I'll bet anything, <laughs> in theater, 
you were part of a team, if you were yeah. putting on shows and you had to work together, it's what you first started saying, Jerry, it teaches life skills. Yeah. I'm a big proponent of participating in that kind of group stuff. Yeah, I never really had that. I, I just made it on my looks, but you know, yeah, I never. <laughs> Boy, hey, by the way, you know, yeah. we, we, you have said in the past, and we even named a LLC, Liberals Always Win LLC. And it came from a speech I would hear you give. And we've talked about this uh, in the past on the podcast, but I love it because you said, hey, in the end, liberals always win. And, you know, Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh, rest his soul, would say, oh, this is a, a center right country. No, it's not. It never has been and it isn't. And it's not into the future. It's a center left country. And the proof of it, and this was your speech, is your speech, as I'm yeah. sure you still give it, is that you can track in the arc of history, major seminal events are all progressive events, whether it's, uh, oh, that's horrible, the, the ending of slavery, civil rights, the right to vote, women's right to vote, worker rights, uh, yeah. gay marriage now. Well, another shoe dropped. It's a little shoe, but it made me think of it because the other day, and I had fought this thing in uh, the Cincinnati area, one of uh, still a couple still to go, a school, high schools that use as a nickname, a mascot, if you will, Native American uh, name. And the Washington football team had the same name. It was Redskins, a racist word. It's like the N-word. And we fought that years ago. And here we go. Yesterday, a couple of days ago, they announced the name at this school in Cincinnati, a suburban school. They dropped Redskins. They have raised thousands of dollars from donors to help make the changeover logos and jerseys and all this stuff. And they named them the Raptors. The kids selected the name in it, yeah. which is, I think is phenomenal. They had all these votes and it kept narrowing down. They finally selected it. And it just makes the point that, and I remember just say one last thing. I remember when we first started fighting this back in the nineties, that we lost that vote by a lot unanimously against us. And I was there with a group of Native Americans who were begging the district to stop doing this to their people. And we lost. And I was working at the time with a woman from the from this township. Her daughter was a senior at that school. The woman was, still is, very conservative. And we had a conversation afterwards, very polite conversation. And I said, you know, here's what I think. It will change it just needs more time, needs more people from outside this very conservative area to move in, more people from other places around the country. And, and sure yeah. enough, Jerry, in the end, liberals always win. It took yeah. a bunch of years. Yeah, I thought about it. And, and My stepdaughter's school just changed theirs, too. They were the Indians, and now they're okay. the Warhawks. Yeah, well, there you go. And a yeah. Warhawk is a bird, and it's not in, it, it doesn't have any yeah. association with it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I think it's great. And you, Gene, were the first one to make me aware of this issue back when you started with this high school yeah. to, to change the name of it. And uh, it makes so much sense. So go, good for you and uh, good for the whole community. Oh, thanks. Well, you know, yeah, hey, always win. Yeah. And, and I uh, when I got out of high school, out of college, I went 
into volunteers in service to America, the VISTA program, the Domestic Peace Corps. The second year it was open, 1966. And I uh, served, I asked to, and was there then trained to serve on a reservation. And I received my assignment and it was in Northern Minnesota, you know, spitting distance from Canada up in the North Woods. And I didn't know anything really about Native Americans. And it was because of that experience and the many, many conversations deep into the night living in this village that I came back with that sensitivity. It was only because of that that I kind of got it. And anyway, so, uh, yeah, it's a good thing. And by the way, back to Rick for a second, uh, are you the third base? third base coach for that traveling team or did I read that wrong on TMZ? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, Richard doesn't know this, but I bought their team uniform. I'm having yeah. trouble fitting into it, <laughs> but I'm not going to tell him. I'm just going to run out there and see if the coach puts me in. Yeah. Hey, I want to ask uh, you a serious question. We want to hear from uh, James Weston here in a minute, but real fast. Uh, Harry and uh, Meghan Markle are, you know, did this huge interview the other day on uh, with, with Oprah. Oprah. Yeah. And then Piers Morgan today, an old friend of yours, has now yeah. quit his show over controversy that's a follow up to all this. Are you, wh- what is your quick take on the exposures? if you think there were exposures about the crown? Well, uh, I'm, I'm on Megan's side. I, I don't question for a second that, you know, the major substance of the story is true. There was, there is resistance. If England's a lot like America, there, there is a racial component that, um, you know, just can't accept the fact that it's too difficult for them to think that someone with uh, African blood, you know, uh, could get into the grand British crown. You know, many of us have been watching that series, which is phenomenal Mm -hmm. um, about it. And it's, it's largely accurate. So I'm not shocked at all that someone in their family, you know, and and not the queen and not Prince Philip. She was pretty clear about that. And there's no reason not to believe her, but people around, look, there were people in the Royal family uh, that had Nazi sympathies. Um, You know, uh, Edward who gave up the crown for the woman he loved uh, King Edward. He, uh, in 1936, and he was, uh, had strong feelings about Hitler and uh, positive ones. And so there's, you know, this is not a great liberal minded family at all. I think the crown is very important for England. The crown to England or Great Britain is what the American flag is to us. It's an institution that defines the country that doesn't have a political bent. And, you know, you're able to love the crown and hate the prime minister. You know what I mean? So it's it's above the p- 
political parties of the time, even though they may have preferences, they don't mention them and they don't work behind the scenes. So that's important to England. And uh, and I totally get the crown. So I'm not one of those that wants to do away with it. It's a symbol. It doesn't mean that the country is run by the monarch. It isn't. But I think what Megan said is right. Uh, Megan Markle, not uh, our Megan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, it, she's right. There's just it's it's not believable that she's not telling the truth on all that. There is, was that reaction. And they would say, some people in the family, gee, I wonder, the Archie, the baby coming out, I wonder if he's going to be dark-skinned. Of course that took place. If you know anything about the royal family, that took place. You know, uh, so, uh, and I think it's interesting. You know, it gives us something else to talk about other than Trump. You know, <laughs> it's, it's like... It's one of these things we can have a position on it, but people aren't going to go to war about it over here. So yeah. I think and on this issue, uh, Piers Morgan is wrong. And you were uh, you lived in England. You were born in England and partially raised. There I left the when I found out I couldn't be king. My skin right. was too light. And when you were there, I know you spent time around the palace. Did you pick up things like that as you were? I spent time around the palace. The palace. <laughs> no? Okay, I was wrong. No, I, I think so much as that he was asked to leave a few no. times. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I, I read stuff on TMZ and I never know what's going to be or not. Hey, uh, Jerry, uh, you, you had uh, a week uh, and there's always stuff in the news and lots of moving targets. What caught your interest? Well, uh, it's this. Uh, when the Democrats came to power last month, the very first bill they introduced in the Senate was Senate Bill 1. Legislation which would, among other things, resurrect the largely gutted Voting Rights Act. It would um, implement national standards for voting rights undo the recent wave of Republican-backed voter suppression laws, largely targeted at Black and minority communities, forbid partisan gerrymandering and overhaul campaign finance laws. Simply put, voting would be made easy for everyone, all obstacles removed. This is the most basic element of a democracy. Its passage should be a slam dunk, but of course it is not, because this is America, and Republicans don't want black people and other minorities to vote. Some even say so out loud. Thankfully, most people don't share that view. Most folks want the option of voting by mail, more days to vote, more hours for polls to stay open, more polling locations, you get the point. But if that's what most people want, and that's what Democrats and Biden ran on, and after all, the Democrats did win, indeed they now have the White House, the Congress, and the Senate, then why can't this become law? Well, the obstacle is the filibuster. Now, don't roll your eyes. I'm only going to spend a minute on this. A Senate filibuster is when a senator or group of senators during a debate on a bill just keep talking for hours or days just to stall, to put off the taking of a vote that they know they're going to lose. This is how the minority can keep the majority from voting through a bill. It gives them power over the majority. So the Senate, in the early part of the 20th century, came up with a new rule, 
cloture, a vote to end debate so the vote on the proposed legislation can take place. Initially to achieve this cloture, a requirement was a two thirds vote of the Senate. In more recent years, the requirement was dropped to just 60 votes. But you can see how in a polarized, partisan, evenly divided Senate, it's usually impossible to get 60 senators to agree to halting debate and voting on the legislation because the minority, seeing that they're going to lose on the substantive vote, they don't want the bill to pass, even though the majority of people do, they'll just keep voting against cloture. The result, the legislation is never voted on. They just keep the filibuster going. So when people keep complaining about Washington never getting anything done, this is the major reason why. The filibuster is the tool that an extreme minority can use to paralyze the Senate from enacting the will of the majority. This is not just the theory. This is how civil rights laws were blocked for generations and why though very every poll shows most Americans want health care for all, most Americans want COVID relief, most are pro-choice, most want immigration reform, election reform, racial and social justice, an economic stimulus package, and yet all of this is thwarted by a Republican minority that won't give a few votes to stop the stalling, to agree to cloture, to let the legislation be voted on because they know they would lose the vote. This is why the filibuster is such an important weapon that has to be eliminated so the people's voice can be heard, so the Senate can do what it was elected to do. The Democrats now have the power to do just that. With Vice President Kamala Harris now having the tie-breaking vote, they could change the rules so that you no longer need 60 votes to end debate and vote on bills, but just a simple majority, 51 votes, and that would get done. The Democrats were elected to pass all this legislation, COVID relief, economic relief, election reform, immigration reform, and yes, a minimum wage. The only reason they're hesitating on all this is that they're worried that they could be back in the minority two or four years from now. And they won't then have any power to stop the Republicans for whatever regressive legislation they might otherwise pass. Well, I want to say, don't worry about that. If the Democrats can now do away with the filibuster and therefore pass all this legislation that the public really wants, and we really do alleviate all the pain and suffering that Trump and his cohorts caused, the Dems won't be in the minority for a long time to come. And as we saw with the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, once people have what the Democrats have given them, they don't want the government to take it away. The Republicans will be stymied. The Democrats must act now. Do what they promised to do. Do what they were elected to do. This is a time when doing the right thing is also good politics. Do it now. Yeah. Very nice, That's Jerry. such a crucial well, issue. Good job. Thank you Jerry. very much. Yeah, All I right. hope it gets done. I know.
All right. So with us, as we said at the top of the show, we have our old friend James Weston. Welcome back, James. Yo, James. James. James, I've seen on Facebook. I follow you on Facebook and other social media, and I see you <laughs> back in your suit in your studio. What's going on? Oh, you know, I mean, it's I'm I'm off and on Facebook. I'll say that, but you know, no, I'm just staying busy now. Staying yeah. busy. Yeah, I have a lot of free time on my hands and. Um, I spent the past bunch of time living out of a suitcase, touring around, and uh, you know, of course, there were, things happened this year in 2020 that put a mix yeah. to that. So, yeah. so yeah, so uh, back uh, having a good time uh, creating instead of uh, traveling. So it's been yeah. good. Uh, 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 yeah. All right, um, so tell us about this dog from Mexico. What happened with that? Oh, uh, Jorge, <laughs> Jorge de la Salva. It's uh, it's Spanish <laughs> for George of the Jungle. Um, <laughs> that, that's my dog, little Georgie. Uh, I met him. Uh, I met him with uh, some friends of England out of England. We all decided to go to uh, Puerto Rico. Yeah. But a hurricane went through Puerto Rico. Remember that hurricane? The uh, yeah. Trump was throwing. Yeah. Oh, the he was, he was yeah, shooting. The he was shooting his stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, so we had to quickly in one week decide where we were going to go next. We decided Mahua, Mexico, which is about four hours south of Cancun. Long story short, there's a hundred dogs on that beach. The tiny puppy, tiny little cute puppy followed me around for two weeks. I decided wow. to take him home. I had him for three years. So he was about three and a half years old. And uh, sadly, uh, the day after Christmas, he passed away. Uh, oh. uh, he had he had kidney disease. So, um, oh. So uh, the last three years, while you might not have heard a whole lot from me, I've been bartending and taking care of my dog, and uh, and now it's and now out of respect to G little Georgie boy, my dog, I I'm gonna get back to work, get the studio up and running again, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, it's it feels like Los Angeles all yeah. over. I lived in LA yeah. for ten years. I had a studio in Van Nuys. Um, I used to do this exact thing drink some wine, sit in my studio and make music. And I'm back to it. And I love it. I love it. So, Well, what do you have you. for us tonight? What do you got? What do I have for you tonight? Yeah. Oh, are you, are you going to go straight to that video, right? <laughs> we are. Straight to the video. Straight to that, was, that was a quickie. All right. Uh, <laughs> we're going to watch a video from, uh, from, uh, Exit in in Nashville, Tennessee. I lived there for six years. It's a live show that I played um, with a eight piece band, um, and yeah, yeah, it's a it's a song called "Unlucky Blues," and uh, yeah, Casey Campbell introduces me at the show, so okay. you'll recognize him. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, we know that guy. <laughs> How long ago did you write this, James? I wrote this about 10 years ago and it still hasn't come true. It will one day. <laughs> one day it will. All right. Well, let's check it out.
back of my mind Yeah, you've been hanging out In the back of my mind, baby Baby, you were just unkind Oh, you played me like a game Like a puppet on your string Played me like a game, woman Like a puppet on your string Get back at you Oh, I do just about anything So I sold my soul Come on
to reach way down deep and take back my soul. Shot. James, do you remember? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure how old you are, but Gene and I, you remember Wolfman Jack? Wolfman Jack, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's when I'm listening to you just talking. This is Wolfman. I mean, people must have been telling you that. I hear it all the time, man. I hear it everywhere I go. Yeah. The problem is it. My voice is fucked. It's destroyed. <laughs> yeah. You know, I really, you know how people have vocal cords, then like a couple nodes and they have to have them surgically yeah. removed? I had that. My yeah. entire vocal cord is one big node. Oh, at this point. oh wow. So I can't, I can't sing anymore. So yeah. Yeah. I had that <laughs> about 10 years ago. It's awful. Isn't it awful? Yeah. It's awful. Why do you oh, think I drink all day? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that'll, that'll help it. Yeah. Uh, maybe tomorrow will be better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a lovely rendition of Down by the Riverside with James Weston and one Jerry Springer. <laughs> I'm going to lay down my heavy load down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. Recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. I ain't gonna study one more. I ain't gonna study one more.